slightly late one this week, I'm afraid, but greetings, Stay Frosty Parkrunners, and welcome to the 32nd edition of the Stay Frosty Parkrun podcast. I'm Emu, and I'm going to be your host for the next 20 minutes or so to talk about cross-training. No, not the machine in the gym, although that does come into it, but the exercises you can do in addition to running, which can help improve your fitness and your running into the bargain. If you feel like you have any interesting thoughts to add, or if you want to celebrate reaching a milestone in Parkrun, you can let me know on the email, which is stayfrostyparkrun at gmail.com, or by leaving a message on the Stay Frosty Facebook page. I'd love to share your stories on my podcast to help inspire other runners or potential parkrunners. I'd also love to hear from you if you have any suggestions for what you'd like to hear me talk about on my pod. Once again, emails to stayfrostyparkrun at gmail.com or drop me a message on the Facebook page. I'll also be announcing my Star Parkrunner of the Week, my featured parkrun, upcoming parkrun anniversaries and letting you all know how we got on in our parkruns this week. But first up, I'm going to take a look at cross-training. Cross-training within the sport is defined as the action or practice of engaging in two or more sports or types of exercise in order to improve fitness or performance in one's main sport. Most professional athletes engage in some form of cross-training in order to improve their performance. If you find that your rate of improvement in running has slowed down or even stopped, or you want to improve more rapidly in the lead-up to an event, it might be time to consider doing some cross-training. The first suggestions might surprise you. Walking. A lot of people, myself included, feel it necessary to keep running for the entire length of time or distance that you're aiming to complete. But there is evidence published in the Journal of Science and Medicine in Sport, which mentions that runners who took 60-second walk breaks during their runs had similar times to those who pushed through and ran the entire length of time. Walking is much lower impact than running, so taking a walk break during your run can give your body a chance to regroup and help prevent muscle fatigue, which in turn can help you to complete the rest of the run with ease. Huffington Post also states how you can use the walk portion of your workout to be more mindful, like a walking meditation. You can more easily observe your surroundings and make yourself aware of the thoughts drifting in and out of your mind. Most things in life can be improved by a better mental attitude and mindfulness, which has become very fashionable in recent years, is one way to achieve a better mental state. For runners who don't like to take walk breaks, you can swap a running day for a walking exercise day, which will give you a chance to recover from the previous run and work out the same muscles which you would use when running. Just remember to allow twice as much time for a walkout, a walking workout. Walking is also a great gateway into running if you've never run before. Starting with a 5-minute walk and a 1-minute jog, you can repeat 3 or three to 5 times to get you started, and then you can slowly increase the number of minutes you spend running until you're only taking 60-second walk breaks interspersed with maybe 5-minute running sessions. The next cross-training recommendation is very popular, cycling. A lot of people use this as a way to commute into work regularly, and it can be a fantastic low-impact cardiovascular workout. This means that it will help improve your fitness, stamina and endurance without damaging your leg muscles. Cycling also uses complementary muscles. As you run, you build up muscles in your legs to aid you as a runner. By cycling, you will make more use of your quads, glutes and core muscles, which will in turn help you to improve your running and efficiency. You can also build strength by cycling uphill in a high gear. 
You can use cycling as a way to aid muscle recovery after a long or particularly gruelling run. Go out for a medium intensity bike ride the day after a long run as a form of active recovery. By keeping your body moving you will increase blood flow to your muscles helping to flush out any lactic acid and aid their repair. This may well prove more effective than resting. You can tailor your bike rides to help you improve your speed or endurance, whichever you'd like to see an improvement in for your running. Finally, cycling as a low impact exercise is good if you've been injured as a way to rebuild strength without risking making the injury worse. Cycling was one of the exercises prescribed for me after I had knee surgery as a way to rebuild strength in my quadricep and my other leg muscles. Next up is swimming. Another low impact sport which means it's good for building strength without risking any damage to your muscles. Plus it's a great way to boost your lung capacity helping you to get more oxygen to the muscles that need it on your runs. You can target specific muscles by changing the stroke you do in the pool. Most strokes involve a lot of upper body muscles which often get overlooked when training as a runner but are needed for proper posture and power. The cool water helps to stimulate blood flow which as mentioned can greatly aid muscle recovery. It's also an exercise with no weight bearing, which means that your chances of getting injured are greatly reduced. It is, however, possible that you might overwork your legs in the swimming session and tire them out before you go for a run. So if you're starting out using swimming as a cross-training exercise, it might be a good idea to use it as a recovery tool to start with, i.e. after your run, than immediately before. Map My Run, and I'll make sure I put these links on the Facebook page again, has some suggestions for the different kind of swimming workouts you can do depending on what part of your body you would like to work out. Strength training is another effective cross-training exercise to help your body achieve more than running alone may might allow. My sister Nikki is very keen on various strength training techniques and feels that it has helped her to improve her stamina and her speed and more importantly to run faster without getting an injury. Active.com mentions that numerous studies link strength training to improve running performance and suggests that you include it as part of your weekly routine. For strength training, you can join a gym and sign up to classes, or, like my sister Nikki, you can look up some free training programs online. I asked her for some recommendations, and I'll pop the links on my Facebook page, but the ones that she mentioned to me are various workouts by Fitness Blender and Yoga with Adrienne, plus a strength, hit and Pilates workout. Strength training helps to build your muscles quicker than only running would and also helps to support your body and prevent injury by giving you better posture and more stability when you run. There are some tips for cross-training in general, which include setting aside cross-training days in your weekly routine so that you're careful not to over- or under-train. You should choose some cross-training exercises which in some way mimic running so that you're using the same muscles or uses the cardiovascular system in the same way. A few sources recommend water running to build up muscles without risking injury. A heart rate monitor can be a useful tool for making sure that you get the most out of your workout by staying at or above 70% of your maximum heart rate. If you're more prone to injury, you can spend up to 25% of your planned running time cross-training. You'll be able to run more if you're injury-free, which is one of the biggest benefits of cross-training. Cross-training helps to keep your workouts varied and interesting and can help you to keep motivated. Now, I've covered some of the main cross-training options, but there are of course further options available and if you found any cross-training exercises particularly beneficial, 
please let me know and I'll happily share your thoughts in next week's pod. You can get in touch via the email stayfrostyparkrun at gmail.com or on the Stay Frosty Facebook page. But now I'm going to move on to this week's Star Park Runner. And this week I'd like to give a drum roll to... Michael Bradley. Michael has just completed his fifth park run, all at Sunderland so far. His first run in February saw him complete the course in 41 minutes and 39 seconds, and he's improved rapidly over the last few months to get his latest PB this week down to 29 minutes and 51 seconds. That's an absolutely fantastic effort, Michael. Keep up the good work. If you know someone who deserves a drum roll for a great park run achievement, or you want to shout about one of your own achievements, you can let me know by emailing stayfrostyparkrun at gmail.com or on the Stay Frosty Facebook page. I really would love to hear from you. This week's featured parkrun takes us to Conkers Parkrun, northeast of Birmingham and southwest of Burton upon Trent. It's located in the National Forest. The start is located just beyond the train track crossing at Conkers Waterside. You can get there by using bus number 23, the Country Hopper, from Ashby to Moira. The nearest rail station is Burton-upon-Trent, but this would, take, this would still take more than two hours to walk, so it's best to get a bus or another lift from there. If you're driving, you can use the postcode DE126BA. Approaching from the south, you should leave the M42 at Junction 11 and head for Burton-upon-Trent. When you reach the village of Overseal, turn right at the junction with the B5003 for the Conkers Waterside Centre. If you're approaching from the north, leave the M42 at the junction to Meesham and travel south to the traffic lights. Turn right towards Moira. Conkers should be clearly signposted on the junction with the B5003 at Moira. The course comprises of a mixture of gravel, tarmac and trails. So as with all trails, it can accumulate a bit of mud when the weather has been wet. Conkers is a moderately undulating course with nice views as you run the out and back loop, starting and finishing at the same place. There's also a small section running adjacent to the Ashby Canal. There's no mention of toilets, so I wouldn't rely on any being open before 9am, but the Conkers Waterside Centre is not far from the start, so I'd imagine that you could go there after the run to use the facilities. This is also where people meet for the post-park run coffee. Volunteer numbers have recently been in the range between about 30 and 40 people, and runner numbers are between about 500 and 700, with 719 attending on the 1st of January for the New Year's Day special. So far, there have been 427 runs, and the start date, which will pop up on this week's anniversary segment, is the 16th of April in 2011. This run looks like a lovely scenic country run, which I would definitely do if I were in the area for any reason. There's a few parkrun anniversaries to get through this week, and I'm kicking things off with Great Dunmo Parkrun, Heartlands Parkrun, and Thurso Park Run, all of which started on the 14th of April in 2018, making this their first anniversaries. Ruchil Park Run will be celebrating their second anniversary, having started on the 15th of April in 2017. 
Bicester Parkrun have their third anniversary approaching after starting on the 16th of April in 2016. And both Wilmslow Parkrun and Lullingstone Parkrun, who started on the 11th of April in 2015, will soon be celebrating their fourth anniversaries. The 12th of April in 2014 saw Chippenham Parkrun start up and they're soon to be celebrating their fifth anniversary. Huntingdon Parkrun, Maidstone Parkrun and the adorably named Peter Pan Parkrun all started on the 13th of April in 2013, which makes this month their sixth anniversaries. Dulwich Parkrun and Graves Parkrun will soon be celebrating their seventh anniversary. They both started on the 14th of April in 2012. Conkers Parkrun have an excellent 8th anniversary approaching as they started on the 16th of April in 2011. And, finally for this week, Bradford Parkrun, who started on the 17th of April in 2010, will soon be celebrating their terrific 9th anniversary. Congratulations to all the Parkruns with upcoming anniversaries. This week, with the Adidas one-hour run looming large on the Sunday, Jay and I decided to volunteer at South Norwood and save our legs. Jay was a timekeeper and I was a marshal for the event where 111 park runners completed the five kilometres, including the tailwalker who went round with an energetic spaniel. Jay has now volunteered four times and myself eight times. Then, early on Sunday morning, Jay and I pulled ourselves out of bed and got dressed ready for the Adidas one-hour run, which started next to St Paul's in London. We'd chosen to be in the first wave of runners along with my sister Nikki, who joined us but sadly had been suffering from a chesty cold or chest infection. We arrived in good time to use the toilets and drop off our bags, although it was torture to peel off all the layers as the chilly wind was making it feel rather cold. Just after 8.30, we all lined up in our starting pen, tried to do some of the group-led warm-up exercises without elbowing the other runners around you, and waited patiently for the start, which ended up only being about five minutes late, so not too bad. I decided to try and take advantage of Strava's vocal splits feature to help me keep a pace which would assure that I ran further than 10 kilometres in the hour. Unfortunately, the GPS, surrounded by the very tall buildings, I guess, wasn't very accurate, adding distance onto each lap, which made it sound like I was running a lot faster than I needed to. I suspected it might not be accurate, but it was still a bit annoying. I lost count of the one-mile laps, but I guess that I'd done about six and a half miles by the end of it, and it did actually turn out to be 6.6 miles, so that's about ten and a half kilometres, not the 12 kilometres that Strava was declaring I'd done. Nikki started strongly, but unfortunately got a pain in her diaphragm as she tried to breathe properly to get enough oxygen into her muscles, so she had to keep stopping to let it subside before she continued. She still managed an impressive 6.6 miles at the sound of the horn, and was frustrated at being ill, but happy to have completed the race. Jay was aiming to get the 10 kilometres, or 6.21 miles, but 6.3 to be on the safe side, which she completed by crossing the 6.3 mile mat at the end of the hour. We were all tired and in need of sustenance after the run, so the three of us popped into a nearby Weatherspoons and had a large breakfast brunch, then celebrated by polishing off a bottle of fizzy rosé. As you can imagine, Jay and I snoozed on the train on the way home. And that about wraps things up for this week. I know there are a lot of events going on this Sunday, so if you took part in a running event and you'd like to share your achievement, please get in touch on the email or via the Facebook page. 
I'd really love to be able to share your stories. Next week I'm going to look at running over the age of 60, what you need to consider before you start running, and any tips which might help you improve. But for now I wish you all a very happy week, I hope you've had great park runs this weekend, and also any other events you took part in. Stay frosty park runners, and I'll see you all next week. Thank <laughs> you.